Perfect Stranglers contains graphic and explicit content suitable for mature listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys! This is Perfect Stranglers. (laughs) I am Bree, and that is Kylie. Hi. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I think I called you our podcast mom in, like, one of the posts that I put up on the Instagrams. Yes, I am frequently and the, the friend group mom, frequently referred uh, to in all friend groups. I remember that from beauty school of you being the friend group mom. Yeah. Kind of a mom. Yeah. I mean... I just, in beauty school, I was always so with Ashley and JoJo, is who I always went out with. And I was always the DD, so I was the mom, but no one thought I was the mom. Because I'm just, like, wild without being drunk. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't need alcohol. You're the crazy aunt. I (gasps) You know what? Thank you. The mom and the crazy aunt podcast. (laughs) Yes, the mom and the crazy aunt. I love it. <laughs> yes. I can just be that. I feel like that's very Moira Rose of me. Yeah. For anyone who watches Schitt's Creek. I'm just obsessed with it. I truly am obsessed with that show. I watch it when I'm having a bad day. Like when I'm doing research for this podcast or if I'm like watching a new thing um, about all things dark and twisted. I will end my night watching an episode or two of Schitt's Creek just to like erase my memory mm-hmm. a little bit yes that's me with the goldbergs beverly goldberg is my favorite <laughs> my sister used to pimp out that show all the time she fucking loved that show because they were so weird i've never gotten into it but maybe i would now if i rewatched it yeah it's funny i've recently gotten into it actually i resisted it for so long because everyone was like oh my god goldbergs oh my god oh my god and i'm like i don't want to watch something everyone else is watching this is probably not cool if yeah. everyone else is watching it, but actually it is cool. Yeah, so when I think of Goldberg, because, like, uh, of course, this is what I think of, is the wrestler, Goldberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bald guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. I, I know what you're talking that's about. That's what I think of. <laughs> yes. When I was, um, I don't know, a kid, I must have been, like, I don't know, 7 to 10, my sister was super into Goldberg for some reason, and she woke me up. It would, I want to say it was the middle of the night. Honestly, it was probably like 10 o'clock at night to watch him wrestle, and I thought it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's such an I, I never I... got into wrestling too much, but um, I, Chris Jericho is pretty hot, though. Oh, yes. Chris Jericho is hot. Um, He was on a show called... Hold on. Hold on. Let me... Cue music. Not, not Chris Jericho is not who I'm thinking of. Um, there, I we're going somewhere with this. Okay, Edge. Okay, so there's a wrestler named Edge. He's married to like my favorite female wrestler, Beth Phoenix. But there is a show on Netflix called Haven, and Edge is in it. I'm gonna look him and... up because when you say Edge, I'm thinking of you too. Like the band, like Bono and the Edge. Oh no! Look up the rest. Look up the wrestler Edge. He's super cute. But he's in the show on Netflix called Haven. I don't know if it's on there anymore. Um, but it's about I can't even I can't even describe what this is about. 
Um, but it's about a girl who like goes to this town in Maryland and there's like this weird portal that happens. It's like a super sci-fi show. It used to be on the sci-fi channel, yeah. but it was one of those shows that last maybe four seasons mm-hmm. and it gets canceled, but it has like a cult following. It was a really freaking good show. Like I would definitely rewatch it. My husband watched that show and he he also watched um, Eureka. Have you seen that show? Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. It's kind of no, sounds somewhat similar. And I think it was on sci-fi. So it says, when FBI Special Agent Audrey Parker is dispatched to a small town of Haven, Maine, on a routine case, she finds herself becoming increasingly involved in the return of, quote, the Troubles, a plague of supernatural afflictions that have occurred in the town at least twice before. Yeah, it's a really good show. And then there was another one that I watched. Okay. It was a Netflix show about a succubus. Hmm. Um, Lost Girl. It was really good, too. I watched those two at the same time. I'm writing that one down. Just like obscure sci- It's really, really good. There's five seasons of that. It came out in 2010. Oh, have you have you seen Russian Doll? No, is it good? It's really good. Okay, so you have to- I'll watch Russian Doll. You have to watch Lost Girl. Okay. So Lost Girl, it says, focuses on the gorgeous and charismatic bow, a supernatural being called a succubus who feeds on the energy of humans, sometimes with fatal results. It's really good, too. Okay, I'm gonna watch it. I think, yeah, I think it's a Canadian show. Eh. Eh. <laughs> eh. Speaking of that neck in the woods, eh, do you got a uh, little short story situation, fun time, scary, spooky, weird? Oh, heck yeah, I do, bud. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, bud. <laughs> so I have this, I found this really long descriptive article from the Lacrosse Tribune, from July thirty first, two thousand and five. Um, this is two thousand and five. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, two thousand five. Two thousand and I can't that long ago. I know what she's gonna read. That's why I'm like in shock right now. Yeah. Damn, I didn't know it was that long ago. Holy shit! I was fifteen. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Holy shit! Okay, go for it, girl. So. Uh, first I'm going to give you, this is pretty graphic, and I'm going to give you a trigger warning for anybody who would be sensitive to, like, child abuse and sexual abuse of a child. Um, because this is really messed up. So, I'm going to read to you this article from the Lacrosse Tribune, and I also, uh, have a few annotations from other articles with just a few other pieces of information, all from Lacrosse Tribune. So, <clears throat> okay, like I said, this one was from uh, Lacrosse Tribune. It's called uh, "The Man Behind French Island's Freezer Mom Case Speaks Out." He didn't cry for days. His mother's body was still warm when he found it the morning of August fifteenth, two thousand. He panicked. His mind raced. Oh no, I've lost her. Everyone's coming to get me. What am I going to do? Days later, he was at a table when he finally started blubbering and couldn't stop. He bawled and bawled until one day he was at a window sobbing so loudly that a man in a driveway next door heard him. So he went to the basement. Weeks passed, then months. The top of the hair on the top of his head fell out in clumps. He lived on spam, tuna fish sandwiches, little debbie snack cakes and cold beans that he stockpiled on rare trips to the grocery store his 
box-shaped house with the flat roof had been falling apart for years. Water seeped through the roof, trickled down the walls, and shorted out the wiring. The electricity went out room by room until all he had left was the basement and three outlets on the second floor. The water heater quit, so did the furnace. After the water was shut off, he dragged 20-gallon plastic drums into the yard to catch rainwater. He kept six in the living room and two in his bedroom. In the winter, he shoveled snow into them and melted it with a space heater. Often, he pictured himself dead, lying on an autopsy table. I just wanted to be alone, he said. And in his loneliest moments, Philip Schuth would disappear into his basement and stare at that freezer. Investigators say Schuth put his dead mother, 86-year-old Edith Marjorie Schuth, in that freezer the day that she died. An autopsy would show her kidneys and heart gave out. So, I don't know if you'll get to it or not, and if you are going to get to it, like, stop me. But did what happened was she was put in this freezer with ice. It melted. She maybe, like, decomposed a little bit, maybe, because, you know, insides liquefy. And then part of the ice block was a liquid human, and then part of it was also still solidified. So half of the liquid in this block was just like her bodily fluids and the other half of the liquid was ice. And so this giant block of ice was melted, frozen, melted, frozen throughout like all of this. Well, like all of the seasons. It's been, it was in there for five years too. So if you've never like cleaned out your fridge or your freezer, you know how sometimes you get to that like ice, like buildup around Mm -hmm. there. I think that was part of it Mm -hmm. too. Okay. Um, cause I was just thinking like if his electricity went out, like did he have electricity in this? And like, if he didn't have electricity in it in the summer, her body would just be in a hot box really. And then in the winter, her body would freeze. I mean, the freezer was and then on. the liquids would, sp- yeah. okay. Yeah, it was plugged in. Okay. Okay. They say he filled it with ice, which during the next four and a half years hardened into a solid block, which I learned from a different article. Uh, it weighed about 300 pounds of full of ice and it took five days to thaw her out in order to do the autopsy. They say he confessed that he did it because he thought he would be blamed for her death. They say he had no job and needed her social security checks to keep the house. Uh, Two years after she died, he had told a neighbor that she uh, went to live in a nursing home and the neighbors never saw her outside or walking or anything because they they had previously. Against his lawyer's advice, Schuth has given more than three hours of telephone telephone interviews to the Tribune during the past two weeks. He wants to set the record straight, he says, about his life, his family, the case, and some of the events of Friday, April 22nd, 2005, the day he could hide no more. Two boys were in Schuth's backyard that afternoon at 1330 Bainbridge Street in Campbell, Wisconsin, a town of... 4,400 people wedged between the Mississippi and Black Rivers. The boys were tearing apart his steps, Schuth says. Police say he came out and smacked 10-year-old Josh Russell on the side of the head. Randy Russell Jr. and his wife Melissa went to confront Schuth, who was in his backyard. Then, according to police, the man who had spent most of his life trying to not draw attention to himself pulled a handgun from his pocket and started pulling the trigger. So I read from a different article that the boys 
thought that it was an abandoned house and they were like just screwing around in the yard and you know messing up the the steps and stuff like that because the I mean the guy never went outside a lot of the neighbors that they interviewed too thought that nobody lived there right and then so now in lacrosse because campbell is lacrosse it is it's the north side of lacrosse on french island okay so it's 1330 bainbridge street mm-hmm. Okay, so right now, if you Google that, it is um, Island Outdoors, like canoe, it looks like canoeing, fishing, and outdoor yes. sports sh- shop, they, and then some storage. Yep, they tore down. So they tore it down? Yeah, they tore that down that building. Okay. Okay. Just like her son, Margie Schuth never made friends easily. She never became a U.S. citizen, never trusted Americans, never got a driver's license, and never really let go of her native England. She didn't love her husband, James Schuth, who Philip says was sexually abusive and had a violent temper. Where would she go? She had no family in America and none in England that wanted her. She had no experience to get a job. Her husband told her that she had no right to own property as a foreigner, and if she divorced him, she would be out on the streets with only her little bastard, as he called him. Oh my god. Okay, well now we know where the the crazy stems from. Right. Yeah. This reminds me of um, the co-ed killer. Mm. What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Kemper. Yes, Ed Kemper. I wanted to say Ed Gein. I was like, that is Oh, right. It reminds me of the it reminds me of um, Ed Kemper, mm-hmm. how yeah. he had, like, big mommy issues. Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I got the chills. Mommy issues. Yeah. And now Holy when you shit. say that, it makes me think of Psycho, where he keeps mm. his mom and, like, dresses yeah. her up. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but he didn't kill her. So, I mean, that's, that's a small right. difference, but yeah. Yeah. Brie, in your dark room, I'm just waiting for a creepy face to show up, like, and it's really wild. Yeah. Right oh my God, here. stop. <laughs> yes, Because <laughs> I, like, saw a flash, and I don't know what it was. Okay, I saw a flash, too. Okay. You did? Yeah. Behind you. <laughs> it might be my Christmas lights or something. Maybe. I have Christmas okay. lights in front of me. I don't know how that would work, but... <laughs> I, I'm glad that you lost We're just stuff. going to ignore it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I... No, I can't look at you, but okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle paranormal tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. Philip graduated from Logan High School in 1971 and from the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse three and a half years later, but never moved out of the house. He refused to leave his mother behind to abandon her as he felt he'd done his grandmother in England, the one who had gone crazy after they left who begged for change on street corners and didn't even recognize Margie or Philip when they went back to visit. She had died among strangers in a dump of a nursing home. When a black spot formed on her face, she was scared chemotherapy would turn her into a walking skeleton like Hubert H. Humphrey and John Wayne had looked in the end. I don't know who Hubert, Hubert H. Humphrey is, but apparently he looked like a walking skeleton near his death. Oh, he is a politician that served presidents. Oh, cool. Oh yeah, he got very skinny. Um, she pulled the hair over her spot, over the spot, so doctors wouldn't notice. She had high blood pressure, and would collapse on her bed. The room would spin like she had too much to drink. That's what their deaths would be like, she told her son, with the world spinning, surrounded by strangers who didn't 
care if he lived or died, as had happened with her mother. She told him there was no afterlife. There couldn't possibly be enough room in heaven for everyone. After she died, images would come to Philip. He saw his own corpse on an autopsy slab, ready to be cut open. He pictured Jim Shooth's penis. He envisioned his grandmother's grandmother raving in a nursing home. Wait, wait, I know- can we go back to this penis? You can't just scam. What are you doing, Bree? This is perfect strangers. You can't just gloss over a penis. I'm just <laughs> reading the article. <laughs> you can't just. You can't just. You can't just skip over a dick. Okay. <laughs> Let's Google this. <laughs> yeah, wait, okay. Repeat this person's Jim name? Jim Shooth. That's his, that's his stepfather. Oh, his stepfather. Oh, oh gross. Wait, wait. Ew, that ew, changed wait. everything. That changes everything. He pictured his stepfather's dick? Yep. That's fucked up. Is it because he was, mal- like, he was like, raped by his stepfather? It, yeah, he Is was- Is that why? It, he was, yeah, it was very inappropriate. Um, he heard okay. his mother's voice describing death. He lived in fear. More than once, he says, his house was broken into, that kids would throw snowballs and shoot BB guns at him as he walked. In 1985, Shuth says two men came onto his property and wrestled him to the ground, one saying, you know how easy it is to break a neck? They kicked him in the face, (gasps) breaking his two front teeth and parts of two more, and then ran off when his dog bit one of them. He didn't report the attack, and he never got his teeth fixed. Oh my god, this poor man. Television was his only distraction. My 70 friends, he called them. His 70 channels. It was the shows with heroic female leads that he loved the most. La Femme and Nikita, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and especially Alias. I'm literally gonna cry right now. I mean, at least he has good taste. I know. (laughs) He subs- I just feel so bad for him. Uh, Yeah, it's a very sad story. He subscribed to the Alias magazine, along with Fangoria, a horror magazine he was embarrassed about getting, so he subscribed under the name Gail Schuth, which he borrowed after ask, or after watching a special about Olympic sprinter Gail Devers. If it was late, he would call and complain that his daughter's magazine hadn't arrived. Oh, He just wanted to be himself, and he wasn't allowed to. Yeah. He fell in love with Alias actor Jennifer Garner. He imagines an alternative universe where he isn't an ugly old man and he and Garner are married. He says police accused him of stalking Garner, but he swears he's never tried to contact her. They asked if he was trying to impress Garner. Somehow, he says, I don't think Jennifer Garner would be impressed by any of the alleged incident on French Island. Five bullets flew towards the Russells as they ran to a neighbor's house and Shuth went back into his house. I can't remember if it says in this article, but he shot that guy in the arm. The guy's, the kid's father who went to confront him. Yeah. Yeah. Police tried to talk Shuth out of his house for 14 hours. That's when they say he told them his mother's body was in the chest freezer in the basement. At 7.25 a.m., he finally came out. They found homemade explosives, an illegal sawed-off shotgun in the home, as well as the body in the freezer. Um, Another article that I read uh, from the Tribune said that it was two large shopping bags full of 15 to 20 explosive devices filled with nails, heavy-duty staples, and other metal items. Um, And the bomb squad from Madison um, 
like detonated one to see if they actually worked and it did Mm -hmm. i just feel so bad for him it's so blatantly obvious this guy had such like embedded childhood trauma into him he had no idea how to be normal because he didn't know what normal was like i say that like there is no like set normal but there is societal norms that you follow and like he had no idea how to follow those so he was doing what he could to try and be himself and defend himself and protect himself because he felt so like pushed down by society it's just really sad to me yeah definitely during interrogations he says investigators accused him of wanting to kill everyone on french island of being the rumored serial killer who drowns young men and of murdering (gasps) tong tao the 37 year old man whose body was found in a french island park in march 2003 wait i'm sorry he people thought he was the killer um the smiley face the police accused him of it I guess maybe to see really? if he would confess if he actually did it. And more more killings happened after, I mean, did this guy get convicted of anything? Philip Schuth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm assuming, like, more river drownings happened after they caught him, so it's, like, proven that he's not the killer of that, right? Um, I'm not sure. I can't really remember when the last river thing was. I think there was more after, but wouldn't that be fucking nuts if he was him? It would be. Yeah. I mean, he didn't like to leave the house. I mean, That's relatable. True. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but wow, I had no idea that they... Wow. Yeah. Right. He denied it all uh, and wasn't sure if they believed the accusations or whether they were just interrogation tactics. <clears throat> the lead investigator in the case, Sergeant Kurt Pappenfuss of the La Crosse County Sheriff's Department says says that they did ask him about the French Island murder, but he doesn't remember any questions about the drownings. He was hard to keep quiet, Pappenfuss says. He was kind of hard to keep focused, but if you live alone for as many years as he did, it's nice to have anyone to vent to. Even a cop can listen. Philip Schuth has been in jail for three months on a $100,000 cash bond he can't pay. He had $10,000 in cash at his house and $25,000 in an account funded by his mother's social security checks, but his assets have been frozen. He lives in the basement portion of the jail where they keep high-profile inmates or those who are physically or mentally disabled or the ones who get into fights in the general population upstairs. A number of inmates downstairs have been low recently, a sign the inmates tell Shuth his evil vibrations are driving everyone away. The inmates have nicknames for him. Sub-Zero, Freezer Boy, and Frosty is their favorite. An inmate was arrested, Shuth heard, while wearing one of the What's in Your Freezer t-shirts that have popped up in the lacrosse area, and the shirt was confiscated at the jail. The jail administrator, Doris Daggett, says that could be true because inmates aren't allowed to have t-shirts with writing of any kind. Uh, The shirts are a play on the What's in Your Wallet, Capital One Bank commercials, and read French Island, Wisconsin on the back, which I noted myself. Ironically, those ads, the What's in Your Wallet, they feature Jennifer Garner. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they did back then, but... They do not. Okay, yes, they do. That's why. That is that is weird full circle. Yeah. 
I remember then there was what's in your freezer bumper stickers or my mom is cooler than yours is what in it fact, was. Yes. And there's there are magnets that were fresh chest freezer magnets and it said my mom is cooler than yours. Yep. Oh my god. And people all over lacrosse had those. Yes, still do. After the shirts came out, a businessman began selling car magnets, one with the same logo and two others that have a picture of an arm hanging out of a freezer that read, my mom is cooler than yours and my old lady is cooler than yours, which, by the way, are still available for sale at ggsgraphics.com, a company out of lacrosse. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How insensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this dude is clearly going through I mean, hell in his life and has been through hell in his life. And yeah, he's done some bad shit, but you have to look at the reason why he's doing this shit. He doesn't know any better. He wasn't taught any better. God, that's insane. But they're still available. Yeah. What really upset me about those magnets was the picture of an arm sticking out of the wretched deep freeze, Shuth says. I didn't care for that. It implied, in my mind at least, that it was a horror movie and she was put in there alive. Tom LeConte, a public defender assigned to the Shuth's case, had no comment for this story and has repeatedly asked Shuth not to talk to the media. A local TV reporter came to see him not long after the arrest, Shuth says, claiming to be an old girlfriend, but then pulled out a notebook as soon as they were face-to-face and started asking questions. The reporter says that that is not true, that she just signed in and was allowed to see Shuth when she identified herself as press. He asked if she would like to take notes and then proceeded to talk for most of the next 20 minutes. LaConte was livid with the sheriff's department that she'd be allowed into the jail. Don't talk to the media, LaConte tells him. Uh, I'll take it under adv- advisement, Shuth says. Figure I might as well get my story out, Shuth says. During interviews with the Tribune, Shuth did not admit to any of the charges. Attempted first-degree homicide, two counts of first-degree recklessly endangering safety, hiding a corpse, possession of a short-barreled shotgun, and three counts of possession of explosive devices. He referred to them as alleged incidents, as much to mock the American legal system as to avoid the subject. He was a National Honor Society member at Logan, then graduated from UWL with honors. One college classmate remembers Shuth read his entire textbook the first week of class, and Shuth admits that he did that in history classes because he was so worried about pop quizzes. On July 19th, Shuth was declared competent to stand trial on the recommendation of Kenneth Smale, a psychologist with Wisconsin Forensic Unit, who Shuth says seemed bored during his evaluation and repeatedly sighed, where are you going with this story? Shuth agreed with his assessment at the competency hearing, telling Lacrosse County Circuit Court Judge Ramona Gonzalez, I do not feel that I'm daft. In his preliminary hearing Wednesday, prosecutors show that they have enough evidence to go on trial, which is scheduled to start October 24th. Randy Russell Jr. also testified about his three bullet wounds. Before the hearing, even Shuth had said, if District Attorney Scott Horn hasn't come up with enough evidence by now, he will never get that judgeship he's been pining for. Russell was treated and released the evening of the shooting, having been hit twice in the arm and grazed in the face, but Shuth says Russell's version of the shooting isn't true. 
The day after the shooting, Russell told reporters that he asked Shuth, Sir, did you hit my son? I don't understand how anybody could believe a modern man in a stressful situation would use such language, Shuth says. It's not Victorian times. The DA, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the DA told reporters at the competency hearing that he made a plea offer, but Shuth hasn't been told the details and probably isn't interested. I talked to my lawyer and encouraged him to fight it out, unless it's a very excellent plea bargain, says Shuth, who pleaded not guilty to all charges Wednesday and faces 143 years if convicted of everything. I'm not interested in going away for 190 years instead of 200 years, he said. Philip Shuth is a contradiction. Articulate, educated, well-read, funny at times, yet his life has been defined by isolation a struggle, and a struggle to connect with other people. If you've talked to him, I think you understand, says Brent Larson. Larson was a 25-year-old teacher at Lincoln Junior High School when UWL assigned Shuth to be his student teacher in the spring of 1974. Of the more than 50 student teachers he's had through the years, Shuth is the only one that Larson would not recommend for teaching. He's not a very warm person, Larson says. I don't know how to put it. He's very intelligent, but he didn't react well with the kids. The kids did not respond to him in any way. Shuth was assigned to work in Murphy Library for the rest of his final semester. He was given a Bachelor of Science degree rather than education. Shuth's version is he approached Larson saying he wasn't cut out to be a teacher, but the result was the same. Uh, once education majors get to that point, they're really screwed, Larson says. What are you going to do now? Shuth worked as a security guard at Menards, where he was required to carry a revolver. He worked at his parents' upholstery shop, but he was never any good at it, at it because he has very little feeling in the tips of his fingers. He cleaned businesses at night. He cleared tables and washed dishes at several Northside restaurants. A former co-worker at Embers says that he didn't hear Shuth say... Embers. Do you remember when Embers was where the Walgreens on Rose Street is? Is that where it was? I thought it was... I think so. For some reason, I thought it or was, was where that Perkins... Or was... <clears throat> no, I'm pretty sure Embers was where the Walgreens on Rose Street was, and then North Country Steak Buffet... Used to be a Ponderosa. Stiff buffet. <laughs> Used to be a Ponderosa. That is correct. And it's still there. It's North Country. Yeah, it's the North Country Steak Buffet is still there. Yeah. But I, for some reason, thought that Embers was where the, um, by the Quick Trip on Rose Street with Perkins. No, that's always, that's always been the PK Lounge. The PK Lounge. <laughs> yeah, that's what I call it. That's always been the PK Lounge, I'm pretty sure, because now that's closed. But right. I think mm -hmm. Embers used to be, yeah, where that where that where the Walgreens on Rose Street is. We'll have to ask an older resident of Lacrosse. <laughs> My mom would yeah. know. She'll probably chime in on this. She'll message us. You know, guys. You know she will. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. How is it going? <laughs> A former co-worker at Embers says he didn't sh hear Shuth say one word for an entire year. In 1979, he wrote a novel called Chrysogon about a hero who fights creatures and sorcerers. He paid an artist $50 to paint a map of Chrysogon's world like the Lord of the Rings books. He published 
a science fiction uh, and fantasy magazine he called Blood Drake that had a circulation of a few hundred. He wrote short stories, many of them horror, some of them with characters he wasn't proud of. One, he remembers, wanted to skull seal a human, chop off his ears, cut out his eyes and tongue, and remove his fingers so he couldn't even read Braille. A man trapped inside his own skull with only his own thoughts. I was definitely daft, he says, when I came up with these ideas. Margie walked... Oh my... Yeah, it, it's pretty weird. God. <laughs> That's like on a LaLaurie level shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Margie walked her son to fourth grade after they first came to French Island. She walked with him the next year too, and the next and the next, until he was <clears throat> a high schooler with an English accent, getting walked to school by his mother. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> she doted on him constantly bought him french fries every day after school, made his favorite foods when they got home. Classmates of Shuth said she acted childlike and would steal things from the five and dime. Their cat, Tiger, was sitting on a window one day, watching two cats fight outside when Margie tried to move Tiger and atta he attacked her, Philip says. It gashed her, her arm and bit her chest and blood smeared against the wall. If he had reported her death, he figured, police would have seen the scars and her blood on the wall and read his stories and come to only one conclusion. He was loony and probably killed her. Does he consider himself loony? I'd say I'm not exactly in the 90% of average people, he says. Not too many people would be willing to live in a house under the conditions I allegedly was living under. I would be constantly afraid that somebody was going to inflict physical injury upon them. I'd say that's strange. It's not clinically insane, though. Mm. Everything that you are describing is, is what makes a serial killer. Now listen, Matt, our therapist, <laughs> would say that clinically he's insane. <laughs> he sounds insane. Oh, that's funny. Anyway... <laughs> Shuth's parents met in England during World War II. Jim was in the U.S. Army. Margie was well into her 30s, so scared of ending up alone that she lied to Jim about her age. They were married in 1945 and moved to French Island, where Jim's parents, Tony and Anna, owned Shuth Upholstery at 1330 Bainbridge Street and lived in the house next door. Jim and Margie moved into the second floor above the shop, the same building where 50 years later Philip was still living and where they would find his mother's body. Margie left Jim not, longer, not long after they came to French Island and moved back to England. She dated an English rail worker named Ronald Bellamy and became pregnant with Philip. Bellamy, he says, was killed in a train accident before the birth. What a beautiful hmm. name, Bellamy. Bellamy, right. Yeah. By 1961... Philip was nearly nine, and Margie's mother, Mary Phillips, who they were living with, was becoming elderly. Margie didn't want to end up alone raising a son, so she agreed to come back to the U.S. if Jim agreed to sign paperwork that stated he was Philip's biological father. Philip said that he didn't know about Ronald Bellamy until after Jim died, when he found a letter that his mother had written. 
His mother told him the story and they never spoke of it again. Mm. All those times Jim had called Philip his little bastard, he had meant it. Philip claims that within two weeks of their coming to French Island, Jim began abusing him. He says that he would bounce Philip on his knee to become aroused and then have sex with Margie. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Jim slapped him and his mother around, he says, and tied Philip up at least once. Another time, he says, Jim shoved a pencil in Philip's anus. (gasps) Yeah. Philip says on several occasions he loaded a 22 rifle and waited for Jim to walk through the door. He chickened out every time. Margie just thought he was a slob, Philip says. She didn't think he would do things to me. As he became older and heavier, Philip says Jim's behavior became more and more disgusting. He cut off the tops of milk jugs and urinated in them while sitting in his chair. When the floor was covered in milk ju- in full jugs, he would have Philip dump them in a yard. After Jim's teeth rotted to the gum line, he would pop the sores in his mouth with his, with his fingers and rub oh. the pus on his shirt. Mm. <gasps> oh my, oh my god. god. This is disgusting. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but wait, there's more. <laughs> okay, there is this all printed in the Lacrosse Tribune. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's insane. How long of a? I'm thinking of like a news. How long has it been since I held a fucking newspaper, front and back? Because it's small print. <laughs> yeah, this has to be a. I'm just thinking really long article. This is like, right? <laughs> this is in. This is wild. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) near the end of his life, doctors amputated Jim's infected lower leg. In the final year, Jim sat in his chair naked, a towel draped over his lap, flies laying eggs in his stump. (gasps) Well, that's what you get. I have. I am so itchy right now. (laughs) That's disgusting. But like, I mean, he is human trash. Right. Exactly. Like you get what you get. You don't throw a fit, but like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jean Goyette lived in Philip's grandparents' house for years after they died, renting it from Jim and then Margie. He has been Shuth's only friend for the past 20 years. He vi- visits Philip twice a week in the jail and puts money in his canteen fund so Philip can buy a daily newspaper. Mm-hmm. He never saw Jim's violent temper or abusiveness. Of course, I didn't live there, so I don't know, he says. Shuth lied about his mother to Goyette, too, telling him that she was too sick to say hi or was upstairs watching Jag. She had a crush on the lead actor, David James Elliott, Philip told him. Mm -mm. (laughs) If he'd told me she was dead, Goyette says, I'd have gotten her out of there. Shuth would like to put a headstone on his mother's grave with the inscription Delanda est tyrannis, a Latin phrase meaning tyrants must be destroyed. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> the in- That's heavy. Yeah. The inmates tell him that he should sell the freezer, that he could get a lot of money for it, and he's asked Goyette to try and sell it online so he can pay for his mother's inscription. Learned from another article that the freezer was destroyed by the state. Yeah. 
As it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants his own gravestone. You just know Zach Baggins would buy that and expect it to be Probably. haunted. Maybe. Ew. You just know he would because it would be on Ghost Adventures Artifacts. In, in yep. I hope he bleaches it out mm-hmm. first. <laughs> no. No, he wants all the goop. As <laughs> is. He wants the goop. <laughs> My cannibal actor. <laughs> he wants his own gravestone one day to read Sick Transit Amour. Thus passes away all love. He won't plead insanity, he says. I told my lawyer, I'm not Charles Manson. I'm not going to carve a swastika in my forehead or prance around the courtroom to entertain the guests or spectators or whatever you want to call them. I don't feel like I'm acting like a madman. It's really not my style. And that is the end of the article. He seems very calm, cool, collected, very sure, very aware. Yes. And I do have, and that was, you know, that was before all his sentencing and stuff like that. So I do have some notes about that. Um, he served, he served seven years in prison uh, and is serving 10 years extended supervision. Um, he ended up, okay, in March 2012 article states that he has no intentions of returning. This is when he was in prison. Uh, he has no okay. intentions of returning to the cesspool by the Mississippi I have no desire to live among people who trashed my house and regarded my case as a joke. Uh, He pleaded no contest to attempted second-degree intentional homicide, concealing a corpse, uh, and two counts of recklessly endangering safety, and also pled guilty to social security fraud. He served seven years in prison, serving a 10-year extended supervision. Uh, He was originally supposed to be released in Eau Claire to live, but a housing conflict sent him to live in La Crosse, where he still lives today. <gasps> he's yes, alive? He is, and he still lives in town in La Crosse. <gasps> Get the fuck out. I was not expecting that for some reason. Yeah. Also, we have a local band called The Freezers, and they took oh, their no. name from, My... from this incident. They are do mostly 80s covers. They're pretty fun. I uh, know the people in that band. They're cool. I've seen a couple of their shows. Yeah. Um, also, it reminded me of a Jack Black movie called Bernie, where he, uh, it's Jack Black mm. and Shirley MacLaine, and he, and he actually yes. kills her, though, and he puts her in the freezer. Yeah. Um, that, that lady, uh, Marjorie, a different lady named Marjorie, um, in that in that movie, Bernie, she was actually only in the freezer for nine months. This lady, Mrs. Schuth, she was in the freezer for four and a half, five years. That's insane. That is such a long yeah. time. I mean, they had no fam. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's the only way he could have gotten away with it so long was because they had no family, no one to check in on them. You know, all the family that they right. had was in England. Right. I don't know why I've never heard any other podcast talk about this. This seems like something a lot of people should know about. Like, this seems like it should have made more news than it did. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Wow, Brie. I was excited about this, and this packed more of a punch than I thought I was going to. Yes. <laughs> and actually, that was a really long article. This, is a, this isn't a, a spooky snack. This is a brunch. <laughs> yes. This is um, a spooky oh. brunch. That is just crazy, Brie. I so remember this happening and had no idea all of this 
Oh my god. You know what I mean? What? Did you find something? Oh yeah, that's what he looks like. What? Yes. Oh my, Atlanta. Yeah, he's creepy looking, isn't he? Oh, she's looking up his court records. Get it, girl. <laughs> Nicole's on it. We obviously know there's something there, but I wonder. Yeah. Um, I looked up the freezers and they're playing a show at September 19th, 2020 at the Verse Lounge. So, you know, there they did apparently play a show. Anyway, um, yeah. Wow, Brie. I don't know how to feel about all that. I feel weird. I feel itchy. I feel bad for the man, but at the same time, like, he's in very, he seems like he's a very intelligent man who, like Nicole said, is very sure of himself and he knows what he did. He knows what fucked him up. He knows why he's fucked up. A lot like Ed Kemper. He is a lacrosse version of Ed Kemper. He's highly intelligent and knows exactly why he is the way he is. And he's chose to make his actions knowing why he was doing it, but he couldn't stop himself. Yeah. That's how I would put that. He he was really um, adaptable, too. If you mm, think about yeah. all the... Like, I still feel bad yeah. for him. Oh, definitely. You know, mental health's a fucking he bitch. Got, he got dealt a very shitty hand in life. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Wow. Well... All right. Well, thank you for that that uh, <laughs> fucking eye opener from back home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if anyone has any hometown stories, any crazy articles like that, um, really any weird crazy story they want to share, it doesn't have to be true crime. It doesn't have to be paranormal. It can just be something that happened to you in real life. Uh, feel free to give us an email, perfectstranglerspodcast at gmail at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on our website, perfectstranglers.com, or hit us up on the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We are on all of those as Perfect Stranglers as well. And I guess we will talk to everyone next week. We sure will. Which is so weird to say. Which is so weird to say. <laughs> See you next yep. week. Oh, like, rate, and subscribe us too. Oh, yes. Yes. It, yes. Do that. That's your homework. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye.